Hello everyone, welcome to episode 9, I think it is now, Boys in the Dead stuff. Uh, very happy to introduce our second guest on the show that we've had, uh, Wesley McGrath. How are you, Wes? You okay? Yeah, I'm good, Ben. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Um, me and Wes first met in UCFB. And, uh, what, what year was that now? Uh, 2014, I want to say. Yeah, I think it was 2014. Yeah, it was it might in the... be 2015. 2015 might be 2015. Yeah, roughly. So, uh, obviously, we have different paths following it. Um, but for anyone who doesn't know, just to give Wes a quick introduction, um, I've said met Wes when we were in UCFB. Wes, was it a master's you ended up getting, Wes, from that? Yeah, so um, as you know, Ben, I studied um, three years undergraduate degree, sports business and, and coaching. Um, and then um, in between sort of having a, a, a year's gap, um, I then went back to, to UCFB um, to complete a master's in, in football coaching and analysis, which um, had you asked me at the end of my three years whether I would do a master's, I would have said no chance. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the opportunity to do it came up, and and it was one that I felt I couldn't really turn down. So, so yeah, and like I say, ended up going back and and doing the doing the masters at, at UCFB as well. Yeah, it's very nice. So they had uh, different results from it, but yeah, congratulations, mate. I was only um, before I was setting up, and then I, I like I, I added it all together, and I was like, finally, you end up getting a masters. So congratulations on that. Um, no, cheers for that, yeah, appreciate that. But yeah, you also work at the, from like the list what I've got here, so obviously Wes, you work at the um, pre-academy at MK Dons, is that right? Yeah, so well, we call it our um, our advanced centre, um, but you know, for for majority of, of coaches and, and people that work in football will, that are listening, um, it is mainly our, our pre academy um, environment. So yeah, was was working there, I worked there sort of in between my, my masters. So you know, coming back from uni. Um, Ended up working there, um, absolutely loved it, um, then went away, um, like I say, ended up getting my Masters and then come back and was and I've been doing it um, pretty much since I, since I came back and, and yeah, it's something that I, I thoroughly enjoy to be fair. Yeah, no, sounds great. Um, we also, just a quick, obviously looking at your list, there's loads of you looking to do everything, um, <laughs> but yeah, you do yeah, private one-to-one coaching sessions. Um, See you work for another company in Milton Keynes as well. So what do you do with the other company? Um, so just with the the other sort of coaching company, um, it's an independent one um, in Milton Keynes. Do a lot of the sport provisions like after school clubs, um, go in and do a little bit of PE at, at a particular school, um, holiday camps um, and, and stuff like that as well. Um, and then, yeah, a couple of years ago, I set up doing my own private, um, private coaching work, um, which has gone from strength to strength and something that I did not anticipate at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know the fact that I'm at where I'm at now, with that is is fantastic because it's only happened, like I say, only started it a couple of years ago, and you know you have to start somewhere. And um, you know with uh, with what's going on in the world right now, lockdown, being able to do you know some small small group sessions is um, is great because it's a, it's been able um, you know being able to get back out there and, and do a little something um, is is fantastic, and it, it retains that sense of you know normality. Um, but yeah, no, I'm just carrying, continuing to build on that and, and carrying on the, the good work that, that I started, really. So, like I say, a couple of years um, down the line, I'm, I couldn't have wished to be in a, in a better position in terms of where I am with that. Yeah, no, it's very good, that. Um, just, a, just a quick one before I go on, so obviously you've got your own podcast and everything we'll go into just in a second, but, you know, because you do the private and then the coaching, like, if that makes sense, like your one-to-ones and that, with yeah. with all this pandemic going on, 
did you seem to get like was it less of a hindering because you're in smaller groups or was you still under the same like was it still like heavy restrictions does that make sense um so in terms of like coming back i mean i started back up um this week um not much has changed luckily um so you know the the actual content of my sessions are, are still there yeah. it's just the, the real tiny tiny details um that you have to remember sometimes you know meet and greet you'd usually like shake someone's hand or you know give the give the player a high five that kind of thing obviously you can't do that now um you know usually at um at an end of a session i might just say to one of the players do you mind just picking up the cones for me or or something like that um obviously i'm trying not to do that Mm -hmm. just to keep um just to keep it um, keep sort of my end of it and trying to control it a little bit more um, as, as much as possible um, so, and I do like a little 1v1 um, part in my sessions obviously you can't, can't tackle non-contact um, so yeah sometimes you have to be really really wary wary of that and even if it's like picking a ball up um, and, and stuff like that again you have to be really really wary and conscious of of different things happening and, and going on but by and large not much has not much has changed which is good yeah, that's that's good that for you then. Um and yet you've also got your own podcast, haven't you? Is it the WM thirty two football podcast, which is your Instagram yeah, page as well? So yeah, yeah, so started a, a podcast um sort of this season really, um just talking about different different things in football. Um and during lockdown spoke to a, a friend of mine. Um I'm a big Tottenham Hotspur fan, a season ticket holder, um, for my sins at the minute because we're not we're not that great. Um so yeah, no, me and me and a friend of mine have, have recently started up a, a Tottenham based um podcast as well. Um only one Hotspur podcast. Um, oh, right, okay. is, is that one. So yeah, I've been a, I've been a busy guy um during lockdown. Yeah, anyway, keep the man busy. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, so um we're gonna go into obviously like a bit of your coaching, um, and then about recent issues what we spoke about just before about obviously staying whatever else. But I do have to pick up with you because last time I actually spoke to you, um, I think I was on the coach behind you going to Madrid. Um, uh, yeah. So yeah, it might have been. Yeah. Yeah. So a quick story was uh, it was just over a year ago now, wasn't it? Um, I was obviously going to Madrid to watch Liverpool. You're going there to watch Tottenham, yeah. and. I was checking where I was where I was in the country on my Snapchat mapping, do you know what I mean? So like we left at like eleven at night, I think or midnight. And it was like six in the morning, I could see like where my mates were on their one and then like where my little man was. And then when we were queuing up to get on the Euro channel, whatever it was called, your little emoji popped up like on top of mine. I was like, I wonder what he's doing. So I messaged you going like, You're not on your on your way to Madrid by any chance, are you? And then I clicked him, yeah, um, what was that day like for you? Obviously, I know the result went Liverpool's way, um, but like just like from a Liverpool perspective, say I wouldn't say like it was a relaxed atmosphere, but it was just a big party if that makes sense. You know what I mean? And I don't think it was arrogance in the sense of like thinking that they were going to steamroll Tottenham. Like in the end, the game wasn't actually that entertaining, was it? Do you know what I mean? Like as a football point of view, um, but obviously from that, I've only actually ever seen the Liverpool side of it, like in the fan park and. And whatever else. So, what was that day like? As in the Tottenham side of it. Um, from a Tottenham perspective, um, obviously the the coach journey was a long one. Um, <laughs> yeah, nice. you know, thirty hours there, thirty hours back. It was uh, it was a long uh, long trip, long experience. But um, you know, when we got into Madrid and and things like that, so we actually stopped off. I think it was the Liverpool end of the ground, mm. um, which 
we all felt was quite strange because it's like, well, why aren't we stopping, you know, in and around the Tottenham end of the of the ground? Um, so, no, we got into Madrid like six o'clock in the morning, I think. Um, so nothing was open, not much to do. Um, so me, my dad, and we actually met somebody who, who lives not too far away from, from where we are. So he lives sort of Northampton way. Uh, we've had a look around the Bernabeu, just sort of walked around, um, tried to inquire as to see if any tours were happening, just in case we could uh, try and nip in on one. Um, but they wasn't um, on that particular day. Um, but no, then getting to the getting to the fan park, it was it was just unbelievable. Like it was just carnage. It's probably the best. Yeah. There was just bodies everywhere, Ben. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you look, you just turn, and everywhere there was just people. Um, you know, speak met up with a couple of people that I, I knew as well, and they just went out there for the experience. Like they didn't have a ticket or, yeah. or anything like that. They just, they just, but they had to be there because it was. I guess for for Tottenham fans, it was almost that sense of. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity. This probably will never ever happen again. Yeah. Um, so, but no, obviously the the game for us it was like we worked so so hard to to get there. Everybody knows our, our Champions League journey and and things like that. You know the, the VAR thing at, at City away, yeah. Laurenti's hit, um, greatest hip in football. <laughs> I must, must admit, um, you know Lucas Moura's hat trick in, in Amsterdam and and whatnot. So you know we've worked so so hard to to get there. Um, and it was almost as if with inside thirty seconds it had gone. Yeah. Um, so it was it was a bit gutting um, in that respect. Um, obviously, the game didn't particularly go anywhere near to, to plan and, and things like that. But we, I just think for Spurs fans, what well, all we wanted to see was our team just turn up in a big game. We'd had a lot of criticism of not turning up in these big games. Um, so we just wanted as long as the, Every single player left everything out on that pitch, regardless of the result, would have been happy. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of fans were just happy that we were there mm-hmm. in the first place because, like I say, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity, probably never happen again. Um, so, fairly sort of celebratory mood. Um, we knew we'd qualified for the Champions League already. We knew that, that Arsenal were, were going to be in the Europa League again. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there was that kind of party style yeah. atmosphere that, that you mentioned, you know, at your end. There was a bit of that going on as well at the Spurs end as well. But yeah, I think to have the, the game almost taken away from you inside 30 seconds is yeah, it's you know, a bit it's like not, a bit like ideal. Take the balloon and get them popped a bit, isn't it? I understand what you mean. Like, did you have did you have a yeah, ticket? Absolutely. I did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I had a ticket. I was in there, I was in there, I was up in the gods pretty much. I think roughly where I was sat, um, in the ground. Obviously I know they didn't have it for the for the final, but I think I was in and around perhaps where the away fans would be. Ah, right. A, for, you know, like a, 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 a game. game. Yeah, so, yeah, I was quite high up, but I had a really, really good view, um, which for me as a, as a coach is fantastic. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong, as a fan, I wanted to be as close to the action as possible, but, um, you know, sometimes as a coach, it was like, you no, know, I actually get to see a little bit more of, of what was going on. And, you know, I, I, I credit Liverpool um, for the way you guys handled that final um, and said it on numerous occasions I think you guys learned so so much from the year before oh yeah 100%. Um, playing against Real Madrid um, and you gave, your in-game management that day was was one of the best I think I've ever seen mm. um, so um, unfortunately unfortunately for yeah. me on the day but uh, yeah no it was um, yeah, like I say it was one of those whereby Liverpool managed managed the game um, superbly and we just couldn't couldn't break couldn't break his down unfortunately yeah well there's, there's another thing that Turn out different for us both when, but I never had the ticket. I never got in. <laughs> I ended up getting, I ended up getting chased by police over some barrier. So uh, 
me and my mate ended up watching some Bayern Madrid, but it was still good though. Do you mean obviously still still a great day, still there. Uh, but yeah, that coach journey though, never never fucking do that ever again. Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, uh, well, to, do you know what though? People have asked me like, what would you change about that Madrid experience? And there is absolutely nothing that I would change about it. Um, yeah, all right, the coach journey was long, but it was just one of those whereby. I was with my dad, so that made it extra special for yeah. me because it was one of those like I've seen. I haven't been to a European away day with Tottenham like, mm-hmm. at all, um, so that it almost felt like a bit of an away day. Um, yeah. And I was with my dad, and like I say, that just made it extra special. Um, the fact that we met um, somebody who we still keep in contact with now, um, you know, I met a couple of mates out there um, as well, um, which was quite annoying for the people that I was with because. I just kept getting pulled yeah, you know, yeah, everywhere yeah. And, and stuff like that, talking to people. But yeah, no, I wouldn't. Honestly, I wouldn't have changed. I wouldn't have changed anything um, for it. Perhaps, obviously, the the result. Um, but I think the interesting thing is that if Tottenham would have won the Champions League, I wouldn't have seen the parade um, because I'd have been on the. I'd have been somewhere in yeah. France. I think. I know, yeah, I know. I think I was in somewhere in the middle of fucking France, and everyone was texting me stuff, and I was just like, just want to go back asleep. Do you know what I mean? But. Yeah, and, and, and looking at the Liverpool one as well, the Liverpool one looked unbelievable, do you know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, just got to carry on with Tottenham a little bit, obviously, with that was probably the demise, not the demise as such, but obviously you'd probably say if you won it, Pochettino would more than likely still be in a job, because he'd probably be given more time, roughly. Um, how are you with Mourinho at the minute? Like, I know, obviously, the season's been off for a few weeks, um, but what, what are your opinions? Was you, I can't imagine you were yeah, happy think- with the decision, but... I think with um, Poch, I think if he'd have won the Champions League, he would have stepped down. I think that was his thing. You think so, yeah? Um, he wanted he wanted to win the Premier League or the Champions League and then that was the completion of his project. Ah, right, okay. Um, so he was openly coming out in interviews before and saying, well, if we do win, I might not be here. And to be oh, fair, yeah, if, he was, if yeah, we'd have yeah. won the Champions League, if we'd have won it, Ben, I would have said, I would have shaken his hand and said, you know what, fair play to you because you've given every single Tottenham fan a moment that will stay with them for the rest of their life. Yeah. Um, and and whatnot. So, but yeah, I think he wanted then to try and go again um, the, this season. It didn't, it hasn't, it didn't work out at all. Um, he spoke about a painful rebuild towards the end of last season um, and, and whatnot. And I, I think it was only until this season that Spurs fans actually realised we were like, right, yeah, Poch is, is, was bang on here because a lot of people were going, when he mentioned it, it, was like, we don't really need a rebuild. We've got this player, we've got that player. And and I don't think people sort of realised the age profile of our squad yeah. was just getting that little bit older. But he's never um, signed anyone for like 12 months, did you, or 18 months or something? No, I think we'd done it before it became fashionable yeah. and, uh, and, pe- and teams started getting transfer bans. Um, yeah. But I think that particular time... Um, I wouldn't say held us back because I genuinely believe there wasn't much out there that would have helped us yeah. um, at, at that stage. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, look, Mourinho's come in. I wasn't happy at the start. I was pretty livid, to be fair. Um, but we have to we have to give the man credit for what he's done in the game. Um, he's won everything there is to win. Um, we have to give him time. I've seen people questioning whether he's going to be the right man for Tottenham and it's like he's been here six months yeah. and a bit of time. He will get it right eventually. He does normally get things right at, at every club he's been at. Um, he wins trophies 
near enough at every at every club he's been at pretty much so you know can't complain um about about that i think it's the style of football um that's that... going to change drastically yeah i was going to um, say to you when when you were um obviously you're saying you were living that at the beginning was that due to the style of manager he is or like the chelsea ties and everything like that um obviously the chelsea ties don't help um <laughs> You know, um, anybody that knows me knows I don't particularly like Chelsea. Um, I think it was more of the fact that you've gone... We had Pochettino that had a clear identity, clear philosophy running from top to bottom throughout the football club. And then you get Mourinho in who, if you look at him by and large, goes ev- goes against everything that the club pretty much stood for in terms of um, you know building... Um, having a project um, and things like that um, you know Mourinho's recruitment by and large is is very um, experienced I'm going to say I'm not going to say old mm-hmm. but experienced yeah. um, but then saying that he's brought Steven Bergvin in who's 23 years of age um, and Jensen Fernandez, who's you know in his 20 in his early 20s still um, so that was the big thing for me though it was just like well we've built up to this point and it felt like we were going to go the complete opposite yeah, like, way. Like knocking the house back down kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. And I think, but, you know, Mourinho is working with not his own players, not his own, a very, very broken dressing room, a little bit similar to what Pochettino walked into, actually, at, at, at Tottenham. Um, the, the only thing um, I will say in Mourinho's defence at the minute is that he hasn't had a completely fully fit squad to work with. Yeah. We've always had injuries under Mourinho um, so far. Um, so, you know, hopefully now we're going to come back. Every, like Kane's back, Son's back, Sissoko's back, Bergvin's back. Um, so, you know, getting all getting all players back um, is going to help us no end. Um, and I think, you know, we could potentially push at least for um, a Europa League spot. Um, it wouldn't be ideal because I don't think we'd, the club wants to be in the Europa League yeah. at all. We we've built a we've built a stadium and a training ground that's built for the very very elite. Um, so you know we need to be complete competing at Europe's top table um, in the Champions League again. Um, but it might be actually a good route for us um, thinking about it next for next season if we do get into the Europa League. We've got a good clutch of young players coming through um, from the academy so maybe give them a little bit of exposure um, as well um, and then you know he won it he won the Europa League with, with Man United mm. so you know who's to say that he can't he can't do it at, at Tottenham yeah well he's got he's, you know we can't deny him he's got great European pedigree on he obviously with Porto into Milan uh, United in the Europa League so yeah it, it, I remember waking up and seeing and my head fell off I was just like I just weren't expecting I think because it was like Five hours later, something wasn't even announced, or from when he'd been sacked, or something ridiculous. So, but. yeah, no, it, it was a it was a strange strange one because I was coaching. Um, I'd literally just finished the session, trying to put some equipment away, um, and somebody that I was coaching with said, "Oh, like what?" I was taking a bit of a while actually, and he said, "Like, what have you been like? What have you been up to? Done, were you checking your phone to see the news?" I was like, "No, like what's what's happened?" They said he's gone. I was like, hey, "What?" And he went, "Like Potch has been sacked." And I was like, "Really?" Um, and, and yeah, I don't think anybody could believe it. Um, it come out of absolutely nowhere, and then you know Daniel Lever being Daniel Lever doesn't mess about. Um, straight in, right? We're getting we're getting this man in. I think 
leave Eastport Mourinho in obviously to win to win some trophies um, and, and put some some cups in the in the cabinet. Um, but uh, yeah, I think once Mourinho does that, I do believe he will win us uh, win us a trophy. So I think once that does happen, I think the club might be looking to. Well, the the owners might be looking to to sell the club because the the stadium's there now. The training ground is is like first class. It's one of the best in the country. Um, you know, the stadium's one of the best in the world. So it, it has a it, yeah. That's the only thing missing really from a selling point of view. Um, for a perspective, yeah. is, is the lack of trophies really? Yeah, no, that's fair enough. It's just interested on your opinion on that. Um, so we're going to go into then the basically the most recent news that's been happening. Obviously. Um, I've said before to you, obviously, in this episode that we're doing at the minute, I'm recording this this segment with you, um, and then later on, because of the time difference, I'll be recording another bit with me friend who does it with me, Jake Hook. Um, so, recent, so I think it was this week, was it the Sterling comments? We know we were speaking about it before. Um, so basically, for anyone who's listening who's unaware, but I think that it's been everywhere if you're into sport, isn't it, really? Um, due to, obviously, like the Black Lives Matter movement, the protests, um, the George Floyd situation in America... Obviously, the issue of racism has come up, which it rightly so as well, do you know what I mean? Um, because sometimes it can get overlooked. Uh, Raheem Stern, I think he was on Newsnight or something, wasn't he? He was on some question show or whatever he was on via FaceTime, Skype. Uh, and he said that there's four managers, for instance, as in Gerard Lampard, uh, sorry, four ex-players, Gerard Lampard, Campbell and Ashley Cole, all had very similar careers, as in levels they reached. All done, I think they're all must have done this coaching badges around about the same time. Uh, but then you look and obviously only two of them really are in high-end jobs, in a sense, you know what I mean, in the high-end positions. Um, just obviously with you being in coaching yourself, do you know what I mean? And I know we, we spoke before and you said, you said you obviously you're going to explain yourself, but like, do you think that is, is an issue? or like, do you, what, What's your opinion on the fact? Because what I was saying before to you is that obviously where I live is very... They one of the white, highest population of white, like white communities, like white people in the in the borough, um, in the country. So, just for someone from this area or or me personally, whatever to say, oh, I don't think it's an issue. I think it's a bit ignorant because you won't because you don't see that every day. Do you know what I mean? Um, because there's not many mixed uh, cultures or mixed mixed diversities around where we live. Do you know what I mean? Um, so what what is your opinion on that? Do you, do you think that Sterling's got a fair point or? Do you, do you think it's um, heightened because of what's going on? I think it's always been an interesting one um, because if somebody was to say to me, like, who are your role models within coaching, I couldn't say that it's a person of colour, whether that's mixed race or black or mm-hmm. anything like that, but simply because there aren't that many out there. Um, something has to be done, though, to try and address the imbalance. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't have the level of players that you know especially in my time like growing up we can't have those level that level of player that you know that wants to get into coaching but feels like well what's the point we can't have that anymore um so yeah something's got i mean i know the efl have um implemented the rooney rule for yeah clubs um are they starting to do that now are they yeah, so I mean, like when I was, um, you know, coming towards the end of my time at uni and, and things like that, applying for jobs and and stuff, you do get like a, a declaration form in which you have to sort of fill out um, for ethnicity purposes and things like that. Um, so, as good as that is, I 
there's half of me that goes, yeah, great idea. The other half of me is like, well, am I going through this for a tick box exercise? Mm-hmm. Um, or am I going through this because there's a genuine hope for me that I might get the job? Um, so that's the that's the big thing um, for, for me, really. Um, you know, if I'm going in for a job, I want to know that I've got as good a chance as anybody of maybe getting the job. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to be just classed as a tick box exercise. Like, yeah, they understand that. Yeah. There's our ethnic diversity one out the out the door out the window. Um, you know, I mean, Ashley Cole, I believe, first black player to get a hundred caps, and I actually spoke to my mum and dad about this the other day. Um, when we're talking about inequality, imbalance and everything like that. And I said, well, if you take Ashley Cole, he wins 100 caps and it's, you know, pat on the back, well done, Ashley, here's your golden cap or whatever he got. Um, when a white player's got 100 caps, there's a bit of a, a bit more of a commotion yeah. about it. Um, you know, granted, Ashley Cole's stuff off the pitch probably hasn't helped his image. Um, he probably knows that um, himself. But I just think, well, what, you know, both play that you know if you compare it two players have got over 100 caps for England yeah. treat, treat them the same um and I think all you know people of colour um and whatnot want is just to have a fair chance we just want the the playing field to be level um you know Dwight York who's bagged so many goals for you know United and, and Villa and, and everything else has struggled to get a job um you know he's had Fergie recommending him to to different clubs and still can't get a job. Like you've got a reference from probably one of the greatest managers yeah. that's ever been. Um, and if you still can't get the job, then you know what's what's what, going what, on? what, what um, is what is the issue kind of thing? Yeah, so it's 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 difficult. I know the FA have tried a lot um, to address it. Um, uh, you know, scholarships, if you like, um, for for play uh, for people of of a BAME background. Yeah. Um, you know, you know um, bursaries and things like that, which is fantastic. Um, don't get me wrong, but why should it have to come down to that in the first place? Yeah, is my is my thing. I know the FA have also tried to put a person of colour or BAME background in in the uh, England setups, um, which again is is fantastic. But then it's it. Well, I'm only there because again I'm filling the box. That's a quality, yeah. Yeah, or am I there because actually the FA see something in me um, and think I'm talented enough to coach, um, you know, the the guys at that age group, whichever age group that may be. Um, so I think, yeah, Sterling does have a does raise an interesting point um, and and whatnot. I think sometimes though it can be very like individualized. Mm-hmm. So um if I take Judas for example, I can't say his name because of what he did to me in my football <laughs> club. Um so it's Judas. If I take him as an example, you know, ex player, bloody blah, blah blah one minute he wanted to go into politics, the next yeah. he's now you know He he always um, seems to be very vocal about it, doesn't he? Um so I can say his name. <laughs> but yeah, he, 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 I know he's been very vocal about it. A lot, and he was he at Mansfield or wherever he was at. Um, currently, Mansfield. Yeah. I mean, he done a he done a decent job there. Kept them up under under um, extreme like circumstances, pretty much um, with all their financial difficulties yeah. that have been going on as well. But I mean, he's gone in at South End and he's in a similar situation again. Um, so 
you know, why why has he had to start right the way? Yeah, not not like that big action kind of thing. Yeah, um, I mean, if I look at Darren Moore as an example, at, um, you know, from his time at West Brom, did an unbelievably good job mm-hmm. um, at West Brom and, you know, gave them some credibility, actually, when they were in the Premier League last. Um, was doing a very, very good job um, last season and then gets hooked. Yeah. And there was no real, like... Oh, yeah, that was... A, that, that was yeah, yeah, I remember that. Oh, actually, yeah. No, you're saying... Um, you know, you got Chris Hutton, who's had um, up and down sort of experiences within his within his managerial um, career since he's since he's become a, a manager, and you know he was formerly a, an assistant coach um, and things like that. You know, he got shafted pretty much at Newcastle, and again, it was just like you've been let go, but, but why? Like, yeah, there was they, they were doing good jobs um, at, at their respective clubs, so it's a bit of a injustice really that they got that they got hooked um but yeah no something has to has to happen something has to change um what that is i i don't know because then it, it's you know you're putting something to a club and then they're going well you're implying that we're that we're racist you're you can't tell us how to run our football yeah clubs. it's just like a touchy like subject that. isn't it for the for the, them defending it straight away kind of thing isn't yeah, it yeah so it's a, it's a it is a difficult one um i mean if if i look at you know celeste ferdinand is the the only person i believe of color in a boardroom like that's mm, ridiculous we've got, yeah. we've got like over 90 professional clubs like within within our game why why haven't we got you know why aren't there more people at board level so you know if it is people say that are studying at, at you know ucfb where we study ben that are of colour that want to progress and want and feel like they want to get into that industry or that part of football that they've got somebody then to look up to. Yeah. Um, we just need we just need more people out there. Like all all of our role models are footballers. There's no ones for the next. You know, there's no coaches really that are role models um, and and things like that. I know that you've got like Jason Yule who's at who's at Charlton coaching their coaching their twenty threes. Like why couldn't why couldn't he? I know Lee Bowie is in at Charlton and has done a fantastic job um, since he's gone in there. But say if Lee Bowie was to go, well, why couldn't Jason Yule then take over yeah. at Charlton? He's a like, I think that, in his case as well. Spell. He's a yeah, but he's a Charlton legend. So in his case, it would be a perfect fit. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, well, why isn't you know a person of colour a, a head of recruitment or you know a, an academy manager or things like that? So I think once we start getting a few more. Um, people of colour into the executive level positions. Yeah. yeah, then it might filter filter out a little bit. But um, yeah, I think Sterling does raise a, an interesting point. Um, I know Danny Rose has said previously that he's not too bothered about doing his coaching badges because mm. you know there's you know he doesn't feel like he's going to get a, a fair enough chance um, and, and stuff like that. But you know, I guess like I say, it's just we just want to see ourselves represented in. In a lot of in a lot of ways, or as many ways as possible, and we just want a fair chance. Yeah. When going for a job, like like I said, it's not. I'm not there to to tick a box. I'm not there to fill a quota. I'm there because I might potentially get the job. Then it's down to me. Then on the interview as to how I. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Whether I get the job. It's it's quite interesting for, like issue you've raised there. To be honest, like from me, like, just listening to you speak because like. It's kind of say with the with the Les Ferdinand in the executive position, it's kind of looking of that. It's basically it's, a, it's like a misuse of trust, isn't it? Basically, so what what when when anyone of a of a being like a going for a job or whatever, the 
I think like like you said, like you're probably just second guessing being like, Well I'm am I just a tick box or do you actually think I'm good enough? So therefore that'll put you off because you're like, Well, I don't really trust that you're making this decision or picking me because you're actually want me. So that's then gonna obviously def- defer people away, like Danny Rose or like whoever else, do you know what I mean? So it's quite an interesting um interesting point yeah, really I, think, I think as well, Ben, as well, like if you do go for a job and you don't get it, um, you know, a bit of advice for anybody's always asked for feedback, but then it's down to the people then that are conducting the interview to give you the feedback. Like I've gone for for jobs or, you know, been turned away numerous times and it's you sort of thinking, well, why? Um, you know, to just give us a bit of feedback and then we can go away improve on on our areas that we need to improve on and then hopefully if the job comes around again or a similar a similar job comes around again that that you know we can we can apply for it and and go again um and then we can always prove those people wrong but um yeah i mean don't get like, it's been, like i said there's been times i've been i've just been rejected with the bog standard um bog standard email yeah um, from from people and, and that's not really what you want you want to know yeah a little bit more yeah exactly why or, you know, and there's even, like I say, there's even been times I've not had feedback and I'm there like, well, where do I go now? What do I do? Where do I turn kind of thing? You're left in a little bit of limbo mm-hmm. um, with that. So, yeah, like I say, just I think feedback um, as to why you're not um, getting getting a chance as well, I think, is, is also something. Yeah, that, it's, that, it's like that transparency, sure. isn't it? So then, like, like you said, it's, it's that if people are, when you say to a club or whoever, that... If, if you said that you're racist for instance and they come back and say well we're not this isn't this but if you had that level of transparency throughout the whole the whole of every process and they said look like this is why we're not giving this opportunity because maybe blah 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 or come back with this and then we can talk about the opportunity but if it's just kind of that non-standard no reply no email no not no communication or, or, or no visuality in it then it's very hard then to say well is it that? Is it because of that? Is it because of this? Do you know what I mean? So, it's a fair. It is, it is a good point what you make. To be to be fair, especially when you said you've been if you've when like I, I've even been for job interviews myself where like they don't get back to you and you're just like well, how are you gonna get? How are you gonna know what you've done wrong? Do you know what I mean? Like or did you just make your mind up when you first walked in? Do you know what I mean? It's it's an odd one. Um, so yeah, I'm only got only got a little bit left for you, mate. Um, you were saying before that you've been to the any the protest or something? Did you say before earlier to me off? Come there. Yeah, so like obviously with the the whole Black Lives Matter um, movement at the minute, um, last weekend um, went to went to a, a protest in in where, where I'm from, Milton Keynes, um, was a, a very very interesting thing um, to be be a part of, um, and yeah, with racism, I, I always feel it's a bit of a an interesting topic anyway but especially when it's connected to myself I've been very very fortunate I've not really been racially abused for the you know for the color of my skin or not really been abused for for the color of my skin but I think you know it's affected people that I know um it's affected people in my family um and, and things like that so um it was more for me it was more of a solid it was more of a stance yeah um, and a solidarity thing like for those guys to say like look it's not going to happen um you know, I guess when you're, I think I even said this to, to my mum as well. It was like, if, for example, I was to go out um, and, you know, it's, it's slightly chilly and whatnot, and I put a hoodie on. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in it's viewed in society that wearing a hoodie is actually like, it's okay. 
Mm-hmm. You know, nothing. As yeah. soon as I put that hood up, that's when it changes because now I'm seen as, you know, uh, violent or, you know, could be triggered by something, um, you know, potential drug dealer, yeah. or those kind of things. So I think it's more of the subtle, the subtle nature of um, racism, mm-hmm. the, the little the little elements that, that go on perhaps in day-to-day life that we we don't realise and we don't recognise. I think more people now are starting to go, nah, that's not right, um, which is fantastic. Um, we just have to keep keep going and keep pushing with that um, and, and whatnot to, to finally get to the point yeah. where, you know, like our kids um, are going to be afraid of walking down the street with their hood up or, um, you know, even when I went to... Um, even when I went to, to, to uni, to be fair, um, I was quite conscious about how I spoke mm-hmm. to people. And I've never really been as conscious. Don't get me wrong, like different terminology is used for different yeah. um, types of conversations. Don't get me wrong. But it was almost like, okay, I was with my friends so at uni, but then I had to speak to them in a completely different way to how I would speak to my friends back home. Yeah. And it was really, really strange because, like I said, I never really had it before. Um, so I knew I couldn't use certain terminology um, at, at uni because nobody would, would understand yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I think it wasn't until until my second year um, stumbled across and came across somebody who was from London um and yeah it, it was just to be fair it was really really nice yeah a bit of um, home because, yeah i mean i'm i mean i'm not from london i'm from milton Keynes, which is probably about an hour away yeah there's certain things yeah it's that, a just similarity uh, isn't it yeah so there's certain things that you know we could say to each other that we would both get yeah um, and, and things like that whereas we couldn't do that before um so but yeah, no, like I say, it was very, very strange. Don't get me wrong. Like if I'm doing a session, I'm not going to use certain certain words or, or certain types of languages I would when, when I'm out with my friends. But yeah. yeah, that was the first time that I really took note. And I was like, then I was like, right, I am really different mm-hmm. to a lot of a lot of people. Um, but I guess I guess uni was masked by the sense that we all love football. Yeah, so yeah. Just talking football was was the easy thing um and the most common thing um but yeah sometimes it was like you know like i say i was a bit more wary of of what i would do how i would do it um and things like that and i think i was probably one of very few people of color in and around the uni at that time as well so um yeah i felt like a bit of a a bit of an ambassador Mm -hmm. um without really knowing it um for for people of color and and whatnot um at uni so but yeah like I say that was the first time that I, it was really strange to me where I felt a little I felt very much sort of out of my comfort zone in in just mixing with people yeah um and you know communicating with people so, so that was like I say that was the, the the first time and now I'm I'm a bit more I'm a bit more aware of it and now I know the reasons why I have to be a certain way at, at certain times um Whereas before I wasn't, I wasn't, um, I wasn't as aware. Yeah, no, but that, it's interesting you said that, to be honest, because um, I know with the uni, fucking hell, no one could hardly understand me when I was speaking, so I understand your pain of um, <laughs> trying, to, trying to talk different to people, but no, I, I, to be honest with you, mate, like, I, felt, I felt very similar in that way. Uh, even though 
Burnley was only an hour and a half away from where from where I live um, in Liverpool. But like with with people from all across the country, as in like yourself from Milton Keynes, like you had like people from Scotland, fucking Manchester, Birmingham, you know what I mean? Like eh, eh, there was like one or two from everywhere kind of thing, wasn't it? There wasn't like a not that I can remember anyway, like a huge thing. So for me I found it hard not act I was acting the way I'd act if it was different people, but I was still at home, do you know what I mean? And I think that's where I struggled, yeah. to be fair. And then I started getting the hang of it towards the end and then I was like, Oh no, I'm done. But like I think that's what did make me struggle at the beginning is that I still had the I had a mindset of like of as if I was still in like still playing Liverpool and everyone was a stranger, do you know what I mean? Where and like you said, but you learn that as you as you go older than that. Um, just a quick for a round up. What was the atmosphere like when you went to protest? Because what I've seen on like Instagram and that, or or like whatever, you know, you see people like uh, circling around the statues and they're all arguing. You see people outside down the streets, but like the majority of them are peaceful, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? So what what was the atmosphere like when you went? Um, the atmosphere at, at the one that I went to was it was very very peaceful. Um, social distancing was kept um, quite well mm-hmm. um, for the majority of the time that, that I was there. Um, but like I think the the protest actually been praised for it being peaceful and obeying social distancing. Um, any downside to it was we probably we couldn't really hear the the speakers or the people that were talking. Um, and but when you did hear them, it, it wasn't quite emotional because they were really, really speaking from deep, like within, from the heart, and everything like that. And um, you know, sometimes when you it just hits you and you you struggle to contain, almost contain your emotions. I think I did hold mine, hold mine back a little bit, and I think I did quite well. Um, so, but I mean, me being at the protest, it was I was, you know, I was quite conscious that somebody might actually spot me. Mm-hmm. Um, and go, oh, he was at a uh, protest or whatnot. And then, you know, the ramifications potentially off the back of that, you know, it could be fate, fate, fatal, really. Um, you know, I could I could lose my job potentially. Like, imagine imagine that. I'm trying to stand up for something that I, I believe in. And yeah, as a consequence, I could, I could lose my job. It was it was a bit weird with that. Um, but no, the, the atmosphere was, was really, really good. I know um, subsequently after, the, you know, after I... I'd gone. Um, it, it carried on, um, and and everything else. You know, people took a knee um, for for a, a period of time. Um, I think even police pe- um, police um, officers uh, took a knee as well. Um, but there was no no rioting, no, no hostility, looting. anything like that. Yeah, there was none of none of that. Like it was it was very very peaceful. You know, people's car windows weren't getting weren't getting smashed in. Um, Although I, when I did leave the meeting, I did or the protest, should I say, I, I did feel a little bit kind of underwhelmed in a sense because it was very much. Don't get me wrong; it was it was it was a really real eye-opening thing for me to to experience and, and be a part of. Um, and but I just felt like something was missing; like we didn't have enough sort of bite with it. Yeah, it was very. It was very nice. As if, still. as if, kind of like the maybe, for instance, like the police or whoever might be going like, well, they're all right now. They're happy. Like it, they, they've said they're a bit like it's okay now, kind of thing. Because it wasn't that. Yeah. Kind of, I, I, I get the. Obviously, you want it to be peaceful. And you want it to go like smoothly. But I understand that 
point in what, in what you mean. Yeah, it felt like there was a lot of people there, you know, taking photos for social media to say they were there, yeah. which wasn't the idea of it, really. Um, people meeting up with friends because they hadn't seen them in ages and yeah. that was an opportunity for them to meet <laughs> up. Know, yeah. I mean. um, it's a good idea, I suppose. Yeah, like, I never thought of that, but yeah. Um, but that was a bit of a letdown for me because it's like, well, no, you're here for a reason. Like, don't just have a bit of a jolly with your mates. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there was a lot of there was a lot of white people there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm still kind of in the midst of working that out in my head. But I think it's good for that. You know, a lot of white people are, are standing up as well um, and and whatnot, and they're sort of having enough of it. Um, I think there was. There was also a lot of students there. <laughs> I mean, you could you could spot a student a mile off. Um, you know, they, they were the ones probably with the with the signs and the banners and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, no. By and large, it was it was a peaceful it was a peaceful protest. Um, nothing majors happened mm-hmm. then. Nothing majors happened off the back of it. Um, so yeah, I guess in that in that respect, it was a it was a good thing. But yeah, like I say, from I guess from what I've seen elsewhere, um, and there is that bit of a rebellion sort of. There's a rebelliousness yeah. that's happening. Um, it, I didn't, I didn't get that um, with the one that I was at. Right, mate. Um, well, I want to thank you for coming on, and speaking to me. Really do appreciate it. Obviously, me being in Liverpool, it's just a total different perspective. You know what I mean? So you can even being just a fucking Tottenham fan, it's another football fan we've got on. Do you know what I mean? It's just not all all red and white. Um, but yeah mate I want to thank you for that uh, and yeah mate nice one and appreciate yeah, it and not, good, not good luck in not the future problem, with everything. if you need me uh, if you need me again then just give us a shout yeah good luck in the future and like I said uh, when we post it we'll we'll tag all your pages and that in your YouTube channel and everything like that do you know what I mean uh, cheers perfect. mate perfect